what does a game of doubles look like? If, so you're playing the game, there's playing the same game. If you win, they win. If you lose, they lose. Now, if you're weak at something, do you admit that you're weak? Do you turn to your partner for the strength? Now, again, in tennis, if you don't, what happens? You miss the ball, you go out, your partner goes out, you both lose. But if you can be emotionally sober, is how I like to say it, where you can say to your partner, hey, I'm not good at this. Or your partner can say to you, hey, you're not good at that. But you know what? I am. And until you can get better, I've got your back. And I'm going to help you in this realm where you're not good by being honest about your backhand's terrible, about your stance not being great. But why am I telling you all of this? Because we're going to get better. I've got your back. And when you get better, we both win. Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. We are full swing into 2023, a year of no limitations. I love the saying from NASA, my friend, Dr. Christine Johnson, who says, the sky isn't the, the limit. We know the sky is not the limit. We have the entire space to excel to. And so no limits. The sky is not the limit. This is the theme of 2023, to rejuvenate to reconnect and to replenish, replenish ourselves because we cannot give from a empty cup, right? When our tank is empty, it's got holes shot through the bottom where like a sieve, our energy is depleted. And also with that, our willpower and often our confidence, our ability to keep and maintain healthy boundaries, our ability to show up authentically, no matter what, for who we are, what we stand for, the people and uh, principles we care about, all of that comes with health and self-awareness and also with those little bitty steps of accomplishments that we make one day at a time. And I, you know, timing is everything in this world. I have to tell you a story. Our guest today is is pretty phenomenal. And I was excited when my book Menu Pause came out, her uh, PR team reached out to mine and invited me on her show in Los Angeles. So I go out in July, just before July 4th weekend, and I go to her house where she does her recording, this amazing house in LA. And I have to check to make sure that I'm COVID negative. Of course, like no big deal. I know I'm COVID negative. I have some little allergy symptoms, but otherwise, you know, no, I feel great. And so I checked and my test came up positive. And so I tested again and it was positive again. And so all the way to LA to be on her show and I was not able to do it. But, and the same thing, I was scheduled to record on Sean Stevenson's show the same day. So anyway, I was blessed to make a follow-up 
with him. And the second time that I was back and I was on Sean's show, I was also scheduled to be on our guest show and she got sick. So today I'm just really super excited that the stars align and we are actually going to have deep, authentic conversation in this case about her book, Radical Confidence and her platform and how she shows up in the world. My guest is Lisa Bilyeu. She has just an amazing story, an amazing personality, and just a joie de vivre around her just this incredible positive energy, but she wasn't always that way. It's really lovely to hear her story um, as a coming to the U.S., falling in love with the love of her life. They've created an amazing business together, influencing an audience of over seven and a half million people. And she has her digital series called Women of Impact, and she loves to spend her days just having real uncensored conversations with the most inspiring women. So I feel that way to have her on my show. This is Lisa Bilyeu. Her website is lisabilyeu.com and radicalconfidence.com. Her book, I'm going to be highlighting a couple areas that I highlighted. This book I put on our family reading list. So excited to share some key points with you and join in in this conversation, how we can support each other in showing up as our most authentic self with radical confidence, releasing our limitations or perceived limitations or limiting beliefs. Mostly it's these limiting beliefs. So I will be right back with my guest. Welcome Lisa to my show. It is awesome to have you here. Oh my God, Dr. Anna, this is such a pleasure. I'm so excited. Oh, me too. And I, you know, I really do want to share a little bit about your story that you share in your book, Radical Confidence, about you tapping into your own, like that ability to tap into your own confidence, the steps, like the realization it took you to say, okay, I've got to do this. How was that for you, this journey? God, when you're going through it, it doesn't really feel like it's going to be a story that you end up telling because all you do is see the struggles and you feel the struggles on a day to day. And so that's really the interesting thing when, when it comes to confidence. People think that you're either born with it or that when you develop it, you've got it for life. And it's just like a muscle or a skill set. It's like you have to build it and you have to then work to sustain it and maintain it. And, and that was like actually the best news that I ever got growing up when I felt completely insecure and inadequate was because really realizing, oh, I didn't have to be born with it. But if I work hard, if I just know that it, it takes in, uh, confidence comes from competence, it means that I have to just keep trying. I have to, my metaphors are wax off, wax on from the karate kid, the movie, right? It's like, <laughs> I love that. It is, yes. It's the best metaphor, right? Because it's just like you do other things that don't necessarily serve you in the moment, but what you don't realize is you're actually preparing for that moment that it will serve you. And that's what confidence is about. It's not about how do I keep showing up and looking badass? It's like, oh no, in those moments when I don't feel badass, what can I do in order to show up to feel it? And so it becomes this moment of practice and thinking through it and seeing what tools you can use to the best of your ability. That's why I wear a Wonder Woman necklace at the age of 43, right? It's because I literally was like, how on earth do I show up and be confident when I don't feel like it? And this was part of my answer as a tool that I use in moments when I don't feel confident. And people don't think of it as a tool or a skill set. They think of it as binary. And I think that's where so many of us trip up from even getting started to build the confidence in the first place. 
that confidence is a skill that is built over time and with practice and a discipline. And then is that, is that right? What I hear you yeah, saying? Yeah, exactly. It's like the byproduct. So, so many people say, I'll do this when I have the confidence. And so they think they need it first as the catalyst to get them going. But the most amazing thing is actually it becomes the byproduct at the end of taking that first step, falling, failing, learning from your mistakes, getting back up, wiping the blood off your face metaphorically or maybe physically, and then just keep going so that eventually you build the competence so that you have the confidence. Mm -hmm. And so the moment you just pivot the way that you can see confidence can literally change the name of the game of how you show up to be confident in the first place. But it comes with that belief system right from the beginning of how you perceive confidence in the first place. No, I love it that you have the competence. So you have the confidence, competence exactly. to confidence. I mean, that is like, I'm just writing these notes down to give to my daughters later too, mm -hmm. <laughs> to remind, you know, to remind them it's a skill set. The more practiced you are, the better confident you'll be, the better you'll show up. Now, Lisa, you talk a lot in the book about limiting beliefs and like conquering your limiting beliefs. And I think, and, you know, adjusting, I've tagged a bunch of pages in your book <laughs> and, you know, just like the, you know, here on page 34, you have your radical confidence recap, you know, and I, I thought that was really, really good. Just know what you're betting on, play the game, kill the squirrel, check in on your assumptions, make your timeline as concrete as the sidewalk and eyeball that jackpot like it's a shirtless Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Hells yeah. Come on now, ladies. Yeah, We've all oh, eyeballed yeah. those abs. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, the part of that is like, is removing limiting beliefs. It's definitely about removing the limiting beliefs. But the problem is, Dr. Anna, is where people don't realize they have limiting beliefs in the first place. That's the trap where you don't even realize that your belief is limited until someone questions it. So how on earth do you come past it if you're not even sure what you believe or how it's actually holding you back? The first thing that I like to say is like, what is that thing that you're trying to achieve where you maybe say, I'll do that when? Like, this is like almost like, how do you start to identify the flags that you're living that limited belief that's actually holding you back? So that's one of them is what is that story that you're telling yourself you're going to do the life you're going to have that excitement that you really want. I'm going to do it when now write down what that when is when I have enough money when I am strong enough when I'm married when I have kids when I've got enough, you know, time there's always that when. Okay, so now what if that when never came. Now, the reason why I say that is now it's taken away the thing that you think is going to help get you mm -hmm. to where you want to go. If it never came, are you going to be okay with it? If the answer is no, then now you have to put in a plan of action to get there. So now when it comes to the plan of action, it isn't, can I do it? It's, I have to learn to do X, Y, and Z to get to this goal. Now it becomes more of a binary thing versus an emotional thing that you may or may not think you're good enough. So let me kind of like really drill down as an example. I think that might help. Perfect. The thing that I always like to use is playing the piano. Because once upon a time I was sitting there, I was watching the movie, uh, The Notebook. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Great movie. But Nicholas there's a scene. Mark. Yeah. Oh my God, so good. There's that scene where like she's playing the piano or something. And I sat there and I was like, you know, I really wish that I could play the piano. And my husband turned to me and he's like, you know what, babe? He's like, you could be the best in the world at it if you decided to. 
And in that moment, I was like, you're right. I could be. I just decide not to. <laughs> now, there's power in that idea that you believe that you can do anything that you set to your mind to, because now it becomes not the excuse of, are you capable? It's just like, no, no, I can do it. So I like to play a game. No BS. What would it take? So in this piano situation, I say, I want to play the piano. Then you say, no BS. What would it actually take for me to play the piano? Okay. To be the best in the world, maybe it's going to take me 20 years playing 12 hours a day where I don't take vacations. I don't go on date nights. But if I played 12 hours a day for 30 years, right? Do I think that I can be good enough to play professionally? The answer is yes. If I did nothing else with my time, the answer is yes. So now I'm already breaking that limiting belief that says I can't play the piano. Right, right. And now in playing the game, no BS, what would it actually take? Now I realize, well, forget it. I don't want to play the piano bad enough to have to practice 12 hours a day for 30 years. And now the idea of not being able to play the piano went from giving my power away, from being the woman that said, I can't, that's giving your power away, to being the woman that says, I choose not to, which is taking my power back and me saying, I can do anything. That's my belief system. I just choose not to spend my time doing this. That was a little example of how I approach the power of belief. Because every time you challenge it, the second you put a process to challenging your belief system, you start to realize, oh, it's possible. I just choose not to. Yeah, no, I love that. And I want to talk a little bit because, you know, I'm I'm a first generation American. My mom came from the Middle East and you're Greek nationality, yeah. right? So you are new to America too. And so there's this different cultural beliefs, right? And then to, you know, the American lifestyle comparatively, did you have, um, as the, you know, coming here, did you have challenges around beliefs that you were raised around? to be able to release those or adopt them even further here to create the life of your dreams? Yeah, beliefs are just such an interesting thing because once you're out of what you consider normal, you start to embrace or face things where you're not sure how to perceive people. So for instance, I was brought up in Greek Orthodox family. Around me was either you were either Jewish um, Turkish or Indian. That's where I was from, North London. So everybody, even though not everyone believed in the same thing, everyone had a higher power that they believed in. Everybody had a nationality, a tradition that they followed. And so when I came to America and I met my husband, who was not christened, had no tr typical traditions, it was very jarring for me when I sat down on our first date and he turned around to me, doctor, and he was like, so why do you believe in God? And I was like, oh my God, no one's ever asked me this before. And in that moment, I was like, um, 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 because my dad told me to. I was 21 years old and I'd never even asked myself. So in that moment, I was like, wow, Americans are brash. Like Americans would just ask anything. You know, like they're not, like they're not as- Unfiltered. You, yeah, right. unfiltered. Proprietary, uh, yeah. Yeah, so like even that was like, oh, he didn't actually mean anything by it. It was just his way of thinking. And that was actually a massive thing for me to become extremely empathetic towards other people. And the same with my husband. So when my husband first met my dad, I don't know if you've ever been around a big Greek family. We're very oh, yeah. loud. Oh, yes. We're, Our family too. 
very loud. We cut people off. We don't listen to their answers. Like that's just like part of the family dynamic. My husband comes in and meets my family for the first time. I've got a big family. My family's very loving and giving and, you know, anything, his food. And, and he, we left the first time he met my family. And he, he turned around. He's like, oh, my God, your dad's so rude. <gasps> I was like, what? I was like, my dad's so giving. He's like, I can't believe how rude your family is. He's like, they ask me questions. They don't even listen to the answer. He was like, I was in the middle of talking and people would just interrupt me. I ask a question. No one answers it. So he left. The oh my same- gosh, classic big fat Greek wedding type scenario. It sounds like I love exactly. it. Exactly. So now Very you could like in those moments, I was like, oh, he just comes from a different world. So his perception of loud, overstepping the mark, talking over each other, cutting people off. He was brought up to believe that was a sign of disrespect. I was brought up to believe that's a sign of love, that people so welcome you, that everyone's just like all over the place. People just want to jump in the conversation. So as humans, how on earth do we just in general pass each other, rub each other the wrong way, have different perspectives, think badly of someone else? And sometimes it's just, you just think differently. That isn't right. That isn't wrong. That isn't bad. That isn't good. It's just different. And if we can pause and hear each other out and listen to where each other are coming from, like maybe you can at least just have a an open heart and a different perspective on how they think or how they feel than just passing judgment upon each other that I had found growing up so much judgment was put upon me about expectations of being what it meant to be a Greek woman, which the belief system was you're going to end up being a stay at home wife with a bunch of kids. And you've pretty much broke that mold. That's not the path you decided to follow for your life. You've had health issues. And of course, the family, the family business, we'll call it, right? You had the family business and your hearts in that. And you share it so beautifully. I mean, for my audience, please listen to her Women of Impact podcast. So Lisa Bill used Women of Impact podcast. It is so good and so raw. And I love it, honestly, when you're talking with Tom about relationship stuff. So because two people from very different worlds, it's what, you know, I think the piece that you emphasize is that different perspectives, right? Coming from different perspectives. So you really have to be boldly confident and ask questions, ask for clarification, say, maybe you misunderstood me, or maybe I misunderstood you, or where is that coming from? And then navigating that in in the most important relationship, and that's a marriage relationship. So what, you know, like, give us some tips around that. And I just want to highlight a couple sections in the book that I highlighted that one thing you talk in that part of that mindset, right? The mindset issues. And like what you mentioned, have your why, believe you can, watch your language and watch your actions and surround yourself with growth minded people and then rinse and repeat. I I love those steps. I love the practical tangibility of those steps that these are things that we can take and then celebrate every small win. I like to say you're taking one next right step after the other. I mean, just celebrating, taking that pause in between to celebrate that. And so how did you, like, how do you bring that into your relationship when you're like, oh my God, he's not going to like that. I'm going to talk about this or we have some, we have a real conflict here, a point of view issue. And, you know, that point of view can create wars, right? Mm-hmm. I love this question. So for people 
people that may be listening that may not know, so I've been with my husband now for 22 years. We've celebrated our 20-year wedding anniversary. We come from very different backgrounds, very different lives, to the point where my dad, when my husband went to ask for his blessing to marry me, my dad said no, because he didn't believe at the time, being very traditional Greek, that um, Tom had any prospects in order to be able to support me you know as my dad saw it you know and obviously cut to many many years later we've been, built a billion dollar company and you know my dad's uh, Tom's walking him around our 300,000 square foot facility at Quest and my dad's just in tears with pride Aww. that uh, yeah so like we've really We've been through a lot through our relationships in in people who didn't believe in us didn't believe that we'd ever be able to sustain it and the big core thing that has allowed us to maneuver through multiple businesses together running impact theory that we do now building quest nutrition and being happily married is we have the same goal and the goal is to be happily married for our entire lives now when you can just be very clear about that you make a list of what is it that you have to do in order to live a happily long lasting marriage? And one of the things that we just agreed from the get go, like, you know, pinky swore, you know, is that we would always to be honest with each other, even if we thought that that honesty would hurt the other person's feelings, because we are sincerely coming to the table by saying that thing, because we want to overcome the issue to be able to have a happy, long lasting relationship. So now Anytime Tom comes to me and says, hey, I'm not happy because of X, Y, and Z, or you're changing, and this is how it's negatively impacting me. All of those discussions are not easy to have. But if you can sincerely say he's saying it because he knows that we both want to better our relationship, now my guard is down mm -hmm. and I can hear the truth for what it is. There's no e ego involved. You cannot let ego get involved when it comes to relationships because if it is me if I am the problem you better believe I have to look at it and then say Lisa what is it going to change uh, what is it going to take for you to change in order for you to show up as a better partner so that's like super important that number one that you've just agreed because when you go to your partner with a, something hard to say now imagine you're just waiting with the, you know, with the, they've got their, their boxing gloves on and they're like, come on then, come at me. Well, of course you're never going to say it because you don't want to get hit in the face. So like having <laughs> that like agreement from the get-go is imperative. And then the, like the big thing, in fact, hopefully this will really help. I love this analogy so much. Think of it like a tennis match. Now in tennis, you've got a choice. You can be on one side of the net and your partner's on the other. And anytime there's any friction, anytime there's a problem, anytime you need anything, you just bounce the ball back to them and you hope that they hit it, right? Is that the game that you're playing? If it is, then let's face it, only one of you can win. Okay, if you agree on that and you go, but we've just decided Lisa that we're both gonna win, cool, then you've decided you're playing a game of doubles. Now, what does a game of doubles look like? If, so you're playing, the game that's playing the same game, if you win, they win. If you lose, they lose. Now, if you're weak at something, do you admit that you're weak? Do you turn to your partner for the strength? Now, again, in tennis, if you don't, what happens? You miss the ball, you go out, your partner goes out, you both lose. But if you can be emotionally sober, is how I like to say it, where you can say to your partner, hey, I'm not good at this. Or your partner can say to you, hey, you're not good at that. But you know what? I am. And until you can get better, I've got your back. And I'm going to help you in this realm where you're not good by being honest about your backhand's terrible, about your stance not being great. But why am I telling you all of this? 
because we're going to get better. I got your back. And when you get better, we both win. That's why, like, hopefully that analogy really did let people know why it's imperative that you tell your partner the hard thing, why it's imperative that you tell your partner where they're falling short. Now, look, this has to go both ways. It's not like you're sitting there going, your backhand sucks and your, your, your serve is terrible. You also have to leave space for your partner to be able to say, this is where you're bad. This is where you're falling short. And now imagine if you both go away and you work on it individually, and then you come back together and you play a game together again, why you can be unstoppable. Why it's not like you turn to your partner to make you stronger. No, no, it's up to you to get stronger. It's up to you to hold your own where you're weak, but it's also up to you to be able to bring your partner in, be honest about it, and then actually refine. And in that analogy, that's what Tom and I have been doing for the last 25 years. I love that. I love that analogy. And you can really see that singles match versus doubles match. We both win when we work together and keep working on our strengths. The trick is remaining emotionally sober during those hard conversations. So yes. Oh, I love this even more because I'm definitely the the one that's less emotionally sober than my husband. He's definitely able to keep even kill. So yes, emotionally sober, what I mean is the analogy, because I'm full of analogies, is if you've had a couple of, do you drink alcohol? Have you uh-huh. drunk alcohol in the past? Uh, okay. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Me too. So th- you may have had like me many nights where maybe I've had a little too much shot, too many shots. And then I've woken up the next day and I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I shouldn't have danced on the table, kissed the bouncer on the way out, right? All these things where you're like, well, <laughs> in my sober self, I might not have done that. Think of shots of alcohol, like shots of anger. Now go, how many times have you said things where you wish the next day you hadn't have said, you've done things that you wish you hadn't have done? Cool. Now there's no judgment. Now what we do is going, oh yeah, I remember that. Great. Now backtrack. How many shots, shots in this case, did you take? Well, after the first shot, what did you feel? Did you feel flustered? Did your face start to get warm? Is maybe that's a sign, right? Like the analogy with the anger. Go back, retrace the last time you lost your call. You you weren't emotionally sober. Backtrack of what happened. I actually like to write a script because I like to separate the emotional with actually what they said, mm-hmm. right? When you write a script, there's it's not like you felt. It was, he said this, she said this, he said this, she said this. Right, write that script. Now you go back in that script again and you say, whereabouts? did I start to feel flustered? Whereabouts did I start to, in my case, when I start to feel flustered, I start to stutter. I can't find my words. My face gets warm. So know thyself. So I go mm-hmm. back in this script. And I go, oh, you're getting warm here, Lisa. Oh, when they said that, okay, that was a little bit, little bit of a trigger. Oh, you're getting triggered more because that's where you started to feel the escalation. And now what I've done is I've just written a screenplay of where my red flags are. And what I've done is now I've used that as a way in future to identify when I'm starting to have too many shots of anger, frustration, sad, whatever, overwhelm, whatever shots you're having in that moment. And now I can say, oh, hang on a minute. I remember by having backtracked in my thing, it says when my face gets warm, Lisa, you're a red flag, you're a like orange flag. Mm-hmm. And Lisa, you said when you're an orange flag, the words that are going to come out of your mouth are, I'm so sorry, I need to go to the bathroom. That's your right, script, your pause. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And now what you've done is you've figured out me, not someone else, because someone else is going to have a different red flag at a different moment, because they're going to be triggered in a different way. But now I go, if I know 
being emotionally reactive doesn't help me, doesn't solve whatever problem I'm in, doesn't help my relationship, doesn't help my business. I've now backtracked to figure out where are me, myself and I, where all my flags are happening. And now I've created a script as a disruptor to come in in those moments where those flags are whipping me in the face, where now it's no longer emotional. I've got the literally script that says, Lisa, when you feel flushed, you will say, I'm so sorry, I have to go to the toilet. That's a script that you better believe the next time I feel flushed, those are the words that come out of my mouth. I then go to the toilet. I then have a, a, a script of what I do when I'm in the toilet. It's usually take some deep breaths, remind yourself that the person loves you if it's my husband and we're having an argument. And I then have have game plans of what I do in different scenarios so that all to come back so that I don't just let my emotions take away with me or like lead me astray I don't just let my emotions of how I'm feeling in that moment end up being the thing that I regret having being reacted on because I do understand that sometimes emotions can lead you astray and if anyone wants to try and like say disagree with me just remember the last time you were hangry where you actually got mad at someone just because you were hungry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is another great example. That is another great example. And so it's these like that being able to take that pause to write in that script and the same thing with with habits like that hangry, you know, you're getting hangry right in that script. Okay, I've got to pause and get something to eat or, or take a moment of self care. I've got to just pause in that moment. And I think that I mean, that's, wisdom, right? When you're recognizing what those triggers are and not just the situation, but the emotions, the physiology that's coming up, the flush in your cheeks, right? The, the mm -hmm. anger top of mind and being able to catch yourself because that's part of development and growth and, you know, yeah. and just showing our best self. And the thing that I want people to really know is even with what I'm saying, it's not perfect. We're going to go back to how, where we started this interview, right? Where it's like, there are going to be moments where you become reactive and you've done all the work and you've done all this. The thing you cannot do is beat yourself up and think that you started at square one you just can't do it think of it as as a skill set right like going to the gym where sometimes you're if you're consistent you may be able to lift 15 pounds if you're more consistent then maybe you get to 20 if you take time off then maybe you go back to 10 but a you know you can always get back to the 20 if you keep practicing and then also know that nothing's ever going to be perfect so in this situation i like to say instead of striving for perfection and then beating yourself up that you didn't get perfect let's face it how many of us women do that I strive for incremental improvement. So if I was the person that would get into an argument with my husband, let's say, and I'm sure we've all been there. Sometimes it's been like a day and you're like mad at them and you're really upset. And it just like, it just feeds into each other and you just get more upset and more frustrated. I know that I could, I have been more than a day annoyed and had an argument with my husband where I've reacted and reacted. Okay. Well, since then I can now get to the point where I can sometimes, sometimes, actually spot myself not get into that reactive state within like I want to say like 10 minutes now I was the person that went from an entire day to now I can do it in 10 minutes and sometimes I'm actually able to do it right on the spot sometimes I can't now sometimes I'm already in a bad mood or sometimes I'm due on or I've had a stressful day and in those moments sometimes I'm not able to do it in five or ten minutes sometimes it takes me an hour and then I go well Lisa your plan didn't work you took an hour to make to then realize that you were having an emotional response. That's okay. You're going to now try to get back to five minutes. And 
that's what we try. That's the last piece of encouragement I want to give people is that you really can get incrementally better, not to seek perfection. And if you slip, what you just want to do is assess where you slipped and how you can then incrementally get better the next time to the point where one of my favorite quotes is Bruce Lee, where someone asked him, you know, how do you defend so quickly? And he's like, well, look, I don't think kick. I just kick. He practiced so many times, so many times that he no longer had to think it. It became instinctual. But that takes practice. So how on earth do you get to the point where you can instinctually not get emotionally reactive? It just takes practice. And that may take 10 years. That may take 20 years. But the beautiful thing is, if you're dedicated to the practice, then you're going to incrementally get better. And you can be the person that's proud of themselves that got incrementally better, not perfect. Now, I love that. I love that. And you have a section in your book about make your negative voice your bitch and your BFF. And I'm always like, get that nasty negative bitch off your shoulder. And you're like, step into it. (laughs) But like this, instead of, instead of that, say this, like you never have your shit together. You need to make a plan and be prepared or you have no freaking clue what you're doing. Instead say, I've never done this before. So I'm going to have to learn. You're not good. When those thoughts come in, you're not good enough. What does good enough actually look like? And what do I need to do to be good enough? And I love all those pieces. Now I have a question for you, Lisa, with all of this, right? With all of this, there physiology plays into our emotions and our behavior, right? We have to, we can optimize our physiology to optimize our behavior and optimize our behavior to enhance and balance our physiology. How have you played with this in in your life? Oh my God, in so many different ways. So a big thing for me, like the hardest thing I've had is to really think positive. Like it's very easy for me to slip into a negative space. And so how do I start to feed my brain, start to feed it in a positive way? How, what do I do in my body to improve my mind and my brain? And then how, what do I think to improve my body? Like they really do go like, hand in hand for me and so a big thing is a admit where you are right now just be very very honest about where you are in your mindset and your physiology right it's like how how are you feeling and so I so for the longest time just followed what people told me oh do this and you'll feel great and so that becomes like blind I really, again, I can't kind of come back down to, we give our power away so much that we don't actually start to tap into how do I want to feel? And then what does that actually mean for me? So for instance, if I want to feel confident, A, I don't necessarily, so I don't expect to just naturally feel confident. I know I need to do a certain set of ways of thinking. So I have to, A, play music. That's like the thing that can almost drown out the negative voice in my head. Then I need to move my body so that I really do feel excitement for whatever I am singing out loud. So I have these like ways of moving my body, thinking a certain way, using music. I also, I think time of the month makes absolutely all the difference. And so understanding what you're going through and where your energy is so that you can use it to your advantage is always an amazing tool. And then and so I've actually lost track of your question. <laughs> oh, no, but that's it. Like you know, that a- whole physiology and time of the month, because PMS can be an issue. Ovulation is higher testosterone, more usually on task, baseline levels, usually calm, cool, collected during the period and the week after. So like uh, knowing how the physiology can affect you, but also again, enhancing your physiology to clear any toxic 
hormones, that's a really big piece. But that with that, oftentimes, toxic emotions come up when our hormones are toxic that week before our cycle, for instance, can be a good example of that. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, you're so right. And this is like, so amazing that now we as women are talking about this it's like our superpower we haven't been using it it's like to our cycles oh my god it literally was so amazing the more I found started to find out and understand our cycle and what how we can use it as a superpower and that's the thing it's like I don't beat myself up anymore because I used to of how I feel I just go oh you feel like this okay it is what it is now figure out why what's the reason Is it a me thing? Like, have I eaten a lot of sugar the night before? That's going to make a difference. Have I had a lot of sleep? Like all of these things are ways for us to look at who who do I want to be and how do I do it? That's how I, right? Like I want to show up with confidence and energy. Cool. How do I do it? No judgment here, but how do I actually do it? Okay. Study sleep. What does sleep say? Sleep says you have to sleep, you know, let's say the temperature of your room makes a difference, right? Understanding a sleep cycle makes a difference. Knowing that if you drink alcohol before you sleep makes a difference. Like knowing all of this is literally, I get so excited as you can tell, because I'm like, it's amazing. It's like, what lever do you want to pull? Like, oh, you want to feel like this? Pull this lever. Oh, you want to feel like this? Pull this lever. Oh, you want to have, you know, cognitive clarity? Get sleep and have a great diet. Oh, you want to feel fog, you know, brain fog? Then have a bunch of sugar and go to bed on a full stomach with only three hours sleep, right? It's like, oh, and a glass of wine, right? It becomes (laughs) all predictable, which is so amazing. Because now I go, like I said, like now I know what levers or not levers to pull in order to help me show up or not show up to be the person that I want to show up to be. And it can be harder during those times when you're working against your physiology, PMS, postmenopause, sometimes there's, so that's, you know, of course, all in on that, y'all. So, you know, there's transition times and then there's where we have to optimize is why we're here today, why I have the Girlfriend Doctor Show to bring you experts like Lisa and just talk about different aspects to really help us shine. It doesn't matter. There's no age limit on that. There's no age limit, but there is that habits that we get into that our body gets into that doesn't want to necessarily release us from them. And it's these small, careful, deliberate, aware steps or actions that we can take to really move through those blocks. I was say, there's a great English book at the going on a bear hunt. And it says, you can't go over it, can't go under it. Oh no, I have to go through it. So we have these barriers, these blockages, and we have to go through them because there's no way around them. So you have to face them head on, but what can you do to work, you know, work these principles so that they work for you and not against you? Yeah, God, I love that so much. And that's why what you do, your work, how you show up every day is so important because sometimes people just don't realize. I didn't realize until I started to interview doctors like yourself where I'm just like, oh my God, I didn't realize this existed. And now how do we empower people? Also, like I'm always very honest about human nature and so much of what's out there is people trying to change human behavior in order to fulfill what they're trying to do, right? So that's where kind of Quest came about. Before Quest, if you wanted to lose weight, people were like, oh, you know, um, eat chicken and broccoli and go to the gym six to seven days a week, obviously, right? And people are like, I don't want to eat chicken and broccoli and I don't want to go to the gym six to seven days a week. So now you're trying to fight natural human behavior. So at Quest, we were like, well, what is leveraging human behavior? We know people want to sit on their ass and eat sweet things. 
amazing. We'll make a protein bar that's sweet. And now it actually still helps you lose weight because now you're not ingesting the sugar. Now we're taking human nature and we're leveraging it to their advantage. So anytime that I'm thinking about how do we leverage human behavior, when I go, well, fat, excuse me, I'm about to swear, you know, so many of us women don't have the confidence. Oh my God, here's this thing where instead of telling women to just, you know, go out and do it in a way and push through it, even when you hate it, it's like, oh my God, the human behavior is when I don't feel like it, I shouldn't. Great. Now, if you understand your hormones and you understand when you will feel like it, now you're able to leverage it to actually lean into when your hormones are going to allow you to feel like a freaking badass and go and ask for that pay rise or whatever it is that you want the confidence in. But if you don't understand how your body works, if you don't understand the timing, if you don't understand how sleep and diet all play into this specific superpower that you are not using, then you're never going to use it because it sounds difficult, right? Those were a lot of words. But the point being is that it's a superpower that we have that we don't lean into that I think we really can leverage easily. Yeah, no. And I think it's, it's bringing it up and being honest about it. It's like the, the, you know, we don't have to be flawless, right? We don't have to be flawless. It's mistakes every step of the way and just learning, learning from them, but also being aware, like what is creating that habit that is taking us down a you know negative road or the wrong route that being aware of that. And I think that's, I mean, it's just so powerful. Now in one of the things that I admire about you and Tom and, and your relationship and what you've shared with us about really being honest, like approaching the hard subjects. And, you know, I mean, that is that, I mean, that's a challenge in all relationships, not just our intimate relationships with our employees, with our kids, with our boss, you know, to do that every in every aspect of our life. So I'd love for you to, I mean, I can talk to you all day. Mm -hmm. I'd love for you to like close with some really like practical steps our listeners can take away right now. They've, I know I've written a page of notes, so I know we've <laughs> got a lot to do, but some practical steps that really help in that super, you know, that Wonder Woman, Superwoman, putting that cape on. And really, you've mentioned a few things like wearing your Superwoman necklace, you've got badass boots that you'll wear or like fun colored knickers or something like <laughs> I those, those things that, you know, like you'll be like, okay, this makes me feel stronger, more powerful and, and showing up in these practices. And I really want to empower my audience with those, with these tools, because we're facing many of us transition in life. We're going front, we're entering our second spring or we're in our second spring or we're, it's just ahead of us. And it's a, it's a change of sometimes the identity that we've carried for decades and to shed that, to come out of the cocoon, so to speak, to be emerge as this amazing, glorious butterfly, it takes shedding those old beliefs. It takes tapping into, you know, how are you feeling? What do you really want for yourself? What lights you up? What doesn't light you up? And for some clients, I know I've asked them these questions and they said, I don't even know how I feel. I don't even know what I want. And I like, well, I should know now I'm 60s or whatever. So I'm raising, I have four daughters. So I'm always like, okay, how do I, you know, not shroud their creative potential? And how do I can encourage their heart's desires and their true giftings? And that, I mean, it's a challenge because I know, you know, personally, as well as professionally, I'm working with so many women 
that it's one that every one of us faces. All right. So I want to give you super, something really super tactical because I'm definitely, I can have a lot of words of like, you have to go try a lot of things. You have to see what you like. Even in your sixties, it's like, if you don't know what you want, that's okay. Like it's actually, instead of seeing that as a negative, see that as like, oh my God, the world is my oyster, right? Like it all depends on how you even approach thinking about it. So A, that's like the very first thing that I would say to anyone that's like struggling. I don't even know what I want. Okay. Doesn't matter. The great news is you're in a position where now you realize that you are no longer happy in the status quo. I think that's already a freaking huge thing. Now, the thing, um, oh God, my husband has a quote that I really freaking love. People think that a mission is an archaeological dig where it's like, I can't find my mission or I found my mission. So as if you have to, you know, like dig. That's not the right way of thinking of it. It has to be an architectural build, which means that you have to try a bunch of stuff. You have to build upon it. So you have to try a bunch of things you like, all, if you're not sure what to do, it just means that you haven't tried enough stuff yet. Now, once you try a bunch of things, actually write out a list of like 10 different things. I'm going to try volunteering at a dog shelter. I'm going to try going to art class. I'm going to jump out of an airplane. Go ham, right? Write a list of all the things that you're going to try. Once you've tried them, then you're going to see which one seemed interesting, which one maybe like made the, the, the heart flutter a little. Then you're going to try it again. Then you're going to try more of it. Once you start to try more and more, you start to go, okay, do I like this or not? Is this something I want to spend more time and attention on? That's how you build the intentional act of a mission. Okay, now once you've tried a bunch of stuff, you have to then, to me, create a mission statement. So many of us do this in our business, but we don't do this in our personal life. I urge, urge, urge everyone to write a mission statement. Now, your mission statement, A, has to be very succinct. It can only be one or two sentences long because the second it becomes longer, then you're just waffling. Now you're confused of actually what your mission is. Everyone else is going to get confused of what your mission is. So you need to understand your mission in one or two sentences. Now, when you've got the one and two sentences, you need to be able to memorize it so that in any situation, if anyone ever comes to you with a question, an offer, a insult, no matter what, you're able to say your mission succinctly and to stand by that mission. Okay, now your mission needs to contain these three things. The what, the who, and the why. And repeat that, the what, the who, and the why. Now, I'm going to give you an example of my mission statement that I can absolutely say that covers the who, the what, and the why. I want to create content that impacts 14-year-old girls to, uh, to give them the, the mindset that they can believe in themselves so they don't spend the next 20 years unwiring the negative mindset I've had to. I stumbled a little, but I got there, right? So it. the who, the what, and the why. I want to create content. That's the what. The who for the 14-year-old girl. Why? So they don't spend the next 20 years unwiring the negative mindset like I've had to do. Now you can imagine, Dr. Anna, anytime someone comes to me with a business opportunity, something exciting, or even someone that's like, Lisa, your idea is terrible. You're stupid. You're never going to achieve it. You better believe I repeat the mission because I can attach my drive and my enthusiasm to my mission on the days that I don't feel motivated, on the days that I feel terrible, on the days that I have an, a negative mindset that's saying, Lisa, what the hell are you doing? You don't know, which happens a lot, by the way. 
on these days where I don't feel good enough, which I'm sure many people and listeners are probably hearing can relate, on those days that you don't feel good enough, you better believe you need a mission that is so stitched to your heart that you still get up and proceed. So I've created a mission that is so attached to my heart that gives me a North Star. If it's not content, I say no. If it's not for the 14-year-old kid, I say no. If it's not to help them, you know, um, with an empowering mindset, I say no. I love it. Now you can see where I end up coming to, how I say yes, how I say no, why I love my life and why I show up every day with a very clear mission and a very clear idea of where I'm going. If you don't have any of that, you will forever be like that feather in Forrest Gump that just floats and actually doesn't know where it's going. If you really, really want to set a goal, have a dream and then act on it, that was your layout of exactly how you do it. I love it. I love it. And then again, if it's not in alignment, it's a no. And that makes it a lot easier. You're very clear and you're repetitive about it. I I love that, Lisa. Thank you so much for sharing with me. I'm going to do our quick rapid fire questions, if you don't mind. No, let's do it. I'm not very good at rapid fire though. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You're going to love these. Just quick rapid. These are the girlfriend doctor rapid fire questions. And uh, the girlfriend doctor is based on four pillars, nourish, awaken, shine, and embrace. So those are the four pillars. So question with nourish, what is your favorite thing to eat? Lamb. Me too. I had lamb chops at a Russian restaurant the other day. It's a place here in Dallas. It's, oh my gosh, it was so good. I love lamb. Lamb chops are the bomb. bomb. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. And then shine, you have amazing skin and amazing complexion. What is a product or a habit that you have to keep your skin looking so radiant? Diet, diet, diet is everything. I eat whole foods. I very rarely eat processed. I mean, we didn't actually even get into it, but I've had massive gut issues for like six to seven years where, I mean, I was 15 pounds lighter than I was now. My hair was falling out. I was malnutritioned. And so a lot of, lot of gut issues. So if anyone's listening that they want to know more, they can actually go over to my channel. I talk a lot about health on my channel um, and my own gut issues. But diet was everything for me. I um, Everything's grass-fed. Everything's organic that I eat. Not everything, but I try to as much as possible. And I because I can't really eat a lot of processed foods, it's ended up being great for the skin and um, my sleep and things like that. So I really use zero product. It's all diet related. I love it. Okay. And then for embrace, what is your favorite sexual position? Ooh, <laughs> I did not expect that question. Homie, I love this. I said we can go everywhere. Today. I know. I don't even know what it's called, <laughs> but it's like, you know, when you're like, your legs are really high up in the air and you're like kind of leaning on like your shoulders and he's like on top. If anyone can see the video, I'm doing the moves, people. <laughs> it's like the, like, the, was it like the inclining missionary? <laughs> oh my God, that is fun. That is fun. Legs over his shoulders. Is that right? I got, I got a vision. Legs above my shoulders. I'm not sure. On my back somehow. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> I love it. Okay. And then for Awaken, what is a favorite, who is a favorite author? that inspires you? Oh, um, I'm just going to say the first book that really hit me that I say to everybody, um, it was probably the female brain. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. I not only understood myself, I understood my husband after that. Nice, nice, nice. Lisa, who wrote that female brain by Lisa? Um... Oh, no, it's not Lisa. It's um, 
Brisenheim. Oh, Luann. Luann Brisenheim. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brisenheim. Yes. Oh my gosh. She's brilliant. She has been on the Girlfriend Doctor Show. A great interview. Super amazing. Yes, yes, yes dying to have her on but only in person in LA so she doesn't come here a lot but like just understanding understanding how we're made guys like changed my life it really did allow me to take ownership over my health it allowed me to really show up to be the person that I wanted to have an amazing relationship and to just understand each other like it just changed so yes if you haven't read that book go read it yeah so good so good well thank you and you guys tell our audience where they can get radical confidence and again you guys are going to win an ear market this is on our family reading list because i have a 14 year old daughter who is coming with me to la so i hope we get to see you oh my god and a 23 year old a 26 year old and a 34 year old but this is on the family reading list and i just think it's it's great your inspiration you're so vulnerable and authentic i want everyone to read this book thank you so much yeah anywhere bookstores uh, bookstores are sold books books are sold (laughs) um and then they can go to radicalconfidence.com.com where i actually do a bunch of giveaways and so yeah i just poured my heart and soul into the book and it really is a reflection of guys like when you don't feel good enough like i grew up feeling like and you don't have the confidence how do you keep going how do you actually start to live the life you want and ask for everything that you've always dreamt of like the book is very tactical because i know that stories and emotions can really just hold us up so it's like a combination and blend of everything so thank you so much for having me and homie i cannot wait to see you and get you on my show I cannot wait as well. I thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lisa, for being here on the show. It's been amazing. You guys check out Lisa Bilyeu, her book, Radical Confidence, her podcast, Women of Impact, and just to dig in to what is your mission statement. I think that is where we'll end with some homework on what is your mission statement, really being clear about that so that in a short sentence, when maybe confidence is lagging or we're challenged or we're in that dark space, that we can tap into that, hold on to that, feel passionate about it and reinvigorate that mission statement, the mission for our lives. So there can be, you know, there can be many in our lifetime. We're never stuck by what's been passed. God put our eyes on in front of our face for a reason. There's no looking back. It's looking forward. It's looking at what is your next right step. So I love being here with you and thank you for being in the Girlfriend Doctor community and sharing this podcast. It means so much when you share and you leave a review. Thank you guys for being here till next time.